Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is Scott Richmond and Arnie Sherman. You're listening to What Do You Know on News Talk KGVO, AM 1290 and 98.3 FM. Arnie Sherman, a good Sunday morning to you. Scott, it's a very good Sunday morning. It's good to be with you on Sunday morning, and it's good to uh, have the guests we're going to have today, Grant Keir from the Missoula Economic Partnership, to hear about everything's up to date in River City. I mean, there's a lot going on here. You drive up River. Every time I drive up Reserve Street, it's like a new building. There's a new restaurant. There's Chick-fil-A. There's a new hotel going in where Ruby's used to be. You go downtown. You know, I hadn't been downtown in you know, a couple of weeks. You got the Wren Hotel. There's all kinds of things going on in town. Yeah. And there's a method to the madness of what's going on. And I think Grant's here today to help us sort through, you know, exactly what, what's been going on in Missoula and, and how is the pandemic fed into all of that? And, you know, what are we working on that's important? And, and how are we going to, you know, solve some of the issues that, that local residents talk about all the time? Number one being, you know, affordable housing. Housing, right. Well, if anybody has a crystal ball on where Missoula is going, someone like Grant could give us some insight into that for yep. sure. So I'm looking forward to hearing what he has to say. We, have, we haven't had him on the show for about two years, and so it's a good time to uh, get reacquainted with him and what he's working with. Absolutely. Our guest is Executive Director of the MEP Missoula Economic Partnership, Grant Keir, back after this. Arnie, we are back with our guest, Grant Keir. Grant, it's good to have you back on the show. It's been a while. How you been? I've been well, and thank you both for having me. Let me jump right in and ask you to tell our listeners a little bit about MEP in general, because they may not be that familiar with uh, with what you do. And then I want to talk about, you know, what's going on in the community and how MEP responds to it. Yeah, thank you. So um, for those unfamiliar, Missoula Economic Partnership was founded in 2010 as a response to the Great Recession. And it was fundamentally about how do we take all these people who are now out of work because we saw a lot of em- employers shut down and try to create employment opportunities for people to get back to work and for underemployed people who were highly skilled to have better opportunities for high paying jobs in Missoula. So the first decade of our work was a, an effort to try to attract the kinds of companies with, that would create those high paying jobs and to help the companies grow who are creating those higher paying jobs for highly qualified people who were underemployed in Missoula. As a as sort of at our core, we're a partnership. Um, it's not just in the name, but it's the way we're organized. So we're a nonprofit, independent organization that is partnership of pri- public and private sector. So we receive some funding from the city of Missoula, some funding from Missoula County, about $100,000 from each of those. And all the rest of our funding and our board is made up of private sector business leaders from the community. So we have the public and private cooperating through your organization and public and private cooperating most of the time outside of your organization. And I think anybody that's even new to Missoula, you pick up the paper, you go online and Google, you you look at your local news, and there's always something happening in the economic development sphere, something that you can't follow everything. I was reading just yesterday 
about a high-speed corridor right down the middle of the road, you know, downtown that's going to take you from one end of town to the other end of town in 15 minutes. I'm trying to think, are they putting in an Amtrak? I mean, what's going on down here? <laughs> and you have to have your pulse on that. So t- tell me a little bit how MEP stays on top of what's going on and what role you play in moving the agenda forward. Yeah, it's a great question. Um, and as you said, there are a lot of entities who are involved in some tangential way in economic right. development. And we were really founded to be sort of the lead entity to help coordinate a lot of that stuff and also to further empower a lot of organizations already doing great work, but focused work. And so a lot of that is participating on some of the boards and committees of other organizations. A lot of it is being a translator. So for you know, we are the sort of front line of what we call business development, which is helping companies grow and helping companies land here and set up shop. And so part of our important role is to be taking the information we're hearing from companies about barriers to success, about challenges they're running into in the community, and about the opportunities they see, and translating that to other organizations who have a specific skill set or a particular geography where they are primarily focused. So we, in many ways, we are sort of the um, conducting the orchestra and we're not necessarily the string instruments right. or the uh, wind instruments. We're sort of there to make sure that each place is each entity is playing its are part you, to its full potential. Are you, how much of your time is spent external facing outside of Missoula versus internal with your internal, internal constituents? That's a good question. I would say um, we've seen a real shift. You know, one of the things I hope we can talk about is just how much the world has changed in the last two years when I wasn't here. But we have responded to that change and fundamentally how we are organized today, the goals we've set, the things we're working on reflect what's happened to us over the last five and even more quickly last two years. And one of those things is where we're facing and we're we're outside facing from the organization into the community, but we are almost 90% focused on just what's happening in Missoula and not looking outside of Missoula right now. Okay. Whereas in the past, we were really focused on, can we attract a company from outside of Missoula to come here and make fast change with a big hire? A great example of that would be ClassPass, which is an organization we were involved in recruiting to Missoula maybe a year before the pandemic. I think it was probably 2017, actually, when they arrived. Right. Um, and so they came in and they brought 200 jobs with them and filled two floors of the first interstate bank building downtown. And it was an exciting new tech company coming to Missoula. Um, that doesn't work today. We don't have the space in terms of facilities for building space for people to fill up that quickly. And we don't have the houses for 200 people to arrive in Missoula and live in without displacing people who are already trying to find homes that work here already. So we're really focused on how do we help the companies who are already here grow organically and incrementally What we know for a fact and what we've seen happen over the last two years is unprecedented demand for the products and services a lot of our companies are providing out of Missoula, not just here in town, but across the country. Sure. So I think our businesses are much more outward facing and they're really um, seeing the demands of a lot of the services we offer. But they're struggling with really important issues within our community that we need to change. So you're helping to navigate internally within the community how to help them become more efficient and to build and grow. That's right. I mean, that's, that's been the primary cornerstone of economic development. You already have people here. You already have businesses here. Why focus so much on bringing in something right. new rather than building the capability and the capacity of existing businesses to, you know, prosper? I mean, you know, prosperity is, you know, I think even our president, Seth Bodner, talks about the word, uses prosperity in its slogan for the university. And, and 
it's important to look outward and inward on trying to figure out prosperity because what happens on the outside, you just pointed. I mean, there was nobody's business plan that I've ever seen prior to two years ago that had COVID written into it, right? We're, how are we going to handle when COVID, you know, shuts down the economy, but it affected everyone. You know, now you're seeing the repercussions of that. You've seen change in some leadership in the state. The, the uh, governor just announced recently a billion dollars over the next two years is going to come back into the community. Maybe not the way I would put it back in, but, you know, he certainly has a has a, a plan and that's going to affect business. Do you become a translator, an interpreter and a seer for here's this new resource, here's this new opportunity, here's this new direction, and this is how our local businesses can take advantage of it? Absolutely. And I think we we really tested that role and refined it and I think um, and expanded it during COVID. And there's never been a time in our, it, certainly in the last hundred years, um, when the needs of our businesses more were more rapidly responded to by the federal government than during COVID when we stood up things like the right. Paycheck Protection Program. The thing that we learned very quickly is these programs are out there to help businesses um, but because of the way most businesses are organized, most businesses are small mom and pop shops and they don't have the capacity or the extra staff or lawyers and accountants to sit down and figure out how all these programs work, what they mean for them, how they apply, what information they need to get together. So what we found is that those programs disproportionately were set up to disproportionately benefit larger companies that had more resources already. Right. So one of the things we helped organize, we, mm -hmm. we were asked to serve as the economic relief and recovery task force lead for Missoula County. And so we helped organize and meet, I think we met on a weekly basis early on during COVID, all of the groups that support economic development activity in Missoula County and some across the state as well. And we were actually the, we would take each of those programs and bring in the program managers or experts or the staff person from the federal or state government. And we'd sort of dissect exactly how the programs worked. We'd create these fact sheets or, um, teams even that would be squads that would help a business navigate those programs and tap into them as quickly as possible or find the experts that they needed to be able to apply to them as quickly as possible. We really have seen that being an ongoing process for us to go ahead and expand programs and really make sure, that, you know, now that we see infrastructure funding coming out, or we see investments sure. through the, um, the IRA that are coming out right now for the... Um, trying to play. Did you see? Did you see this opportunity present itself once COVID hit? You real, you said, "I know where MEP can play an important role in all of this, and here's where we're going to create opportunity and value and leadership for the community." Because I remember that that was that was the last time you and I spoke. I was probably on a conference call with you with a, a bunch of other folks from the community talking about COVID and how do we communicate. How do we get the word out? How do we talk about resources? Yeah, and I think we 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 did do that as a team, as we an did. organization, and our board supported it strongly, and the business community responded strongly. I don't want to take more credit than is deserved. I think we saw that kind of response across our community. You know, our private banks in the community, sure. our lending institutions, we saw leadership emerge in places I never dreamed sure. it would, where people just figured out, here's a gap. We have the skills and abilities to fill it, and we're going to go ahead and take this leadership right, role. Right. In the early days of COVID, Stockman's was the number one bank in the United States in, in facilitating PPP loans. Yeah, I believe that. One of the things you mentioned, which I think people um, overlook often, is 
the fact about the role of the U.S. government and the response and the responsiveness of U.S. government and state and local government. It was a perfect example of showing how resources could be deployed and made a difference. And Absolutely. it was and it was mobilized. You know, while the COVID medical response, trend, you know, transitioned to administrations and there were different philosophies about it, the business approach, you know, when it finally got to trickle down to the small businesses was was a lifeline that I, I can't imagine what would have happened during COVID if that money wasn't available to all the businesses that it was available to. I, I think it will take us a long time to fully dissect what we went through in COVID, but I think there were a couple of valuable lessons. One, it was not partisan. We saw both parties coming right. together to figure out how to deliver sure. important aid. Two, it was a really elegant marriage of the roles of the public and private sector in partnership. Right. So we saw the federal government coming together and to the table with funding and ideas, taking information from the whole country and providing a resource. But it used private businesses as a delivery mechanism yes. to ensure that each employee was going to be taken care of. And it was, it was, and it was fast for government response for the scale of response. It was incredibly quick and it wasn't without troubles and problems and hiccups, but considering what was done, it was a pretty remarkable effort. So have we recovered here in Missoula from the COVID impact? That is a very complicated question to answer. (laughs) And the short answer is yes and no. I think we have recovered from some of the impacts, but those immediate impacts that you saw as a result of the virus But I think some of what happened during COVID will continue to impact us for decades and maybe forevermore. And and let me give you one example of that, housing, right? So what we saw happen during COVID was this quick move to remote work. People had the ability to take their job anywhere they wanted. Many of them decided that I'm going to look at the whole world and figure out where I'd like to be. Here's this charming, lovely city of Missoula. I can take my job there. I'm going for it. So suddenly we had people taking houses in our community who didn't work for our employers in our community, which was a sort of a new dynamic. Also taking up housing stock that was limited even before COVID, which made it harder and harder for people who wanted to come and take jobs here for our employers to find them. It raised housing prices. And I don't think that trend is going away. I think that we are now on the map for a place that people will forever want to be And I don't think, as I talk to employers, there are many who have the luxury, even if they wanted to, to go back to a in-office workplace environment where they had everybody coming into their home office in L.A. or New York or Denver or anywhere else, even in Missoula. That's true. Except for Elon Musk, who wants everybody to work and commit to 80 hours a week. We never stopped. We never stopped coming here. That's no, the I interesting know. thing about this place. We never stopped coming here. People wanted to be in the office, right. which is dressed like mummies, of course, but, no, but because we were, were relying on the equipment that we're sitting in front of. Yeah. Sure. But how, how do you, I'm sorry, I was going to interrupt, but so for businesses like the service industry and the hospitality industry that really are struggling and still struggling, how does MEP or how can MEP lend a hand to help them in their efforts? Because that's really profound to think that there are certain businesses. We just had a business uh, that had a closed shop, Red Robin, just closed shop yeah. at, the, at the mall the other day because they couldn't stay. They can't find employees. Right. Yeah. And I, I just Pay want more. <laughs> well, the, the truth. Yes. Well, you have to yes. raise, raise a wage. You have to raise wages. But of course, the, Many will argue that if you keep raising wages, you just keep contributing to the inflation challenge that we have today. Right. And, and what I would argue 
is that we saw a lot of employers raise wages early on in the pandemic to ensure they could keep people on. Right. And that was the right move. And that was the right move. And it was so smart. And they added, some have added on top of wages, new benefits. Um, There's a lot of innovation. But I guess what I want to stress is this is not just happening on sort of restaurants and hoteliers. This is happening across every industry, manufacturing. Right. Sort of professional office services, the shortage of labor. And fundamentally, this is a problem that's here to stay. Right. This is another one like housing that I don't think is going away. Soon. Well, they were all complicated by other kinds of factors. One is immigration issues. A lot of the jobs that need to be filled in the service industry are filled by people that are new to the, it has always been that way, the new flock of immigrants that are coming in. That that cadre of people has been challenged over the last four or five years and, and, and have a difficulty integrating into the community. I think another issue is we're part of a global economy. People here are complaining about gas prices. They recently have come down. I was just in Europe. It's $8 a gallon in Europe. It has nothing to do with the United States. It's 8 bucks a gallon. People are trying to cope there with it, which raises prices on the products that we import for those countries. The U.S. dollar is strong, and the unintended consequence of that is, you know, that other uh, it's, uh, it's expensive for people in other countries to buy our products. You know, when, when the That's dollar right. and the euro are exactly at the same price, and their products are cheaper to, for us to import, but our stuff is more expensive to put out there. And, and every one of these things has a linchpin, you know, into a problem that every community faces. I've traveled around the United States a lot since COVID, and there isn't a place I've been to that hasn't right. complained about the prices of rent going up, the housing price going up, not being able to find employees. Every single town I've been in, large and small, south, east, west. You know, for, uh, you know, job, employees wanted signs everywhere. Well, you make a very good point, which is how I'm going to lead into an answer to Scott's question, which is a lot of these are macroeconomic issues that aren't unique to Missoula. Right. You know, and I just want to add one more on the workforce shortage, which is baby boomers retiring. So and no daycare at a no daycare, but baby boomers are retiring yeah. at records. You know, the daycare issue has been on the table a long time. for a very long time, and it did get worse during COVID. But the baby boomer retirement, demog- demographers have been warning us about for decades, and no one really listened. And it suddenly started happening at double the historical rate during COVID because people didn't want to deal with these new work environments, and they felt like they could finally retire because their investments they were, were looking okay. for an excuse, and that yeah, was it. And that was it. And so we lost a huge amount of workforce that we aren't replacing in the way that we're uh, future generations are reproducing. So coming to immigration, at the end of the day, we will not deal with the workforce issue until we wrestle with immigration issues. Absolutely. Um, but the one of the ways that we deal with this is exactly what we're talking about. We really try to understand the, the data behind the problems right. to figure out where we can actually make a difference at a local if- level on these issues. And so let me take... Um, let me take this idea of workforce and housing and sort of wrap it up into how we do our work on front lines sure. with businesses and translate that into the program work sure. we're doing. So when we're talking to businesses right now, they are telling us, first of all, it's never been harder to run a small business. Number one issue is workforce, as you mentioned, Robin, shutting down because they didn't right. have enough people. And we see reduced hours across the community. So when you look at why they don't have workforce, part of it is the retirements. Part of it is childcare, which we're doing some work on right now in partnership with Zero to Five. But a big part of that is housing. I am told that Missoula sells itself. As an employer, I can still recruit people and they come here and they right. want my job and they want to live here, but they can't find a place to live that they can afford on a salary that I can continue to afford to pay. 
So we are we have launched a program in the last couple of years that we piloted and are now fully engaged in by staffing, where we are working with the city to take public the lands that the city holds that are underutilized right now and figure out how we can identify and cultivate development teams that can bring in innovations and approaches to developing those properties that put them pack, back on the tax roll quickly, but also generate and deliver workforce housing right. sure. in addition to other community needs like childcare. So a great example of this work is at Scott Street um, on the north side of Missoula, mm-hmm. where we did a pilot project with the city that has led to now what is on the books to, to soon break ground on what will be the largest um, affordable housing trust. Um, right affordable housing land trust project in the state of Montana. And there's other work being done on commercial facilities there and discussions about putting daycare on site. So trying to find developers like we did in that team who have the capability and the willingness and the desire to work with the community and meet community needs, identify ways to make that profitable and do that in the private sector with a partnership with the city. Well, that's the key. Make it profitable. Developers are there to make money. Right. You know, they can't survive without making a profit. That's right. I saw recently that the state talked about, you know, giving developers incentives, maybe cutting some of their costs, some of their, you know, some of the red tape, making it easier for developers. I wonder if you do that without any kind of assurance, how do you know that's going to translate into affordable housing at the, at the end of the funnel? You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that depending on the commitments made by the developers, you do it with agreements, right? So in some cases, you actually start with an agreement that says we'll provide these incentives. And in exchange, we know we're going to get exactly this number of units of housing that's targeting right. this income bracket of workforce. In other cases, you, you just... As a city, and I don't, I don't speak on behalf of the city as a nonprofit, but having watched them work, you see enough trend in what's happening with the development community. Right. And you know that a lack of predictability in the process or um, a cumbersome regulatory process that – and I'm not talking about undermining public input or undermining community expressed goals in our planning documents. I'm just talking about traditional red tape that is difficult to get through or understaffed that leads to things taking longer than it needs to cost developers a huge amount of money in carrying right. costs. That you can that you can And if you can eliminate that and and we did it in COVID with right? the city and the county. We did it during COVID. I mean that's the right. feds I mean that's right. under normal circumstances that money we'd still be waiting for it. Well, and we wouldn't have a vaccine. The fact yeah. that it keeps right? right. We, what, the, yeah. Part yeah. of having yeah. a vaccine yeah. came from cutting a lot of red tape. Let's do a quick ID. Our guest is Grant Keir, executive director of the Missoula Economic Partnership MEP. Arnie. So so you mentioned and and it's hard to ignore the bigger factors that you have no control over that could either inflame a situation or, you know, help cure a situation. For example, you got inflation. It was, it was, everybody expected it as a result of COVID and the federal reserve comes in and starts pounding interest rates. So all of a sudden from 2%, two and a half made things affordable, made it more, a little bit easier to move, to buy or to move in. Now you're up to six, seven, maybe eight on commercial. What do you do about that? I mean, it just it just puts a damper on everything. Absolutely. I mean, you know, I, 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 honestly, there are things and factors we know we can't influence as right. an, an entity whose scope of work is Missoula County. Right. There's two things that we can do about that. One is we can reach out to folks at the Fed. You know, it's organization like ours that they reach out to on a fairly regular basis to right. say, help us understand the impacts of this issue. So right. they came to us two or three years ago to understand what was happening in Missoula County around childcare. You brought that up earlier. Right. So, th- so that dialogue can happen. 
part of it is educating the community of business owners to help people understand at what scale they need to be thinking and working right. to influence policy. So it does us no good. You know, housing is primarily influenced at the local level. So most of housing policy right. is implemented at the city or county, a little bit at the state, almost nothing at the federal. But public funding for affordable housing is entirely at the federal level, a little bit at the state, and a tiny bit at the local level. So really helping people who are wrestling with issues find the right places to deploy energy to try to affect change. Well, how do you as a professional in this leadership role sort through all of the information that's out there and the noise and the and the rhetoric to try to figure out what's what you can use to predict what's going to happen? And a, a good example is there's doom and gloom coming out of like Goldman Sachs and Morgan Stanley. We, you haven't seen the recession or recessions. And then today I pick up and read one of the other major, you know, influencer says the, the effect of the inflation is already 90% of it's already been, been felt and the Fed doesn't need to tamp down anymore. I mean, a respected guy, not a, not yeah. a fringe guy, a respected guy. You're trying to predict six months down the road, nine months down, you know, how do you, how do you sift through all this and try to figure out what's the right course to take? That's a good question. I, honestly, I think trying to have a great team of experts I rely on. So I will talk to economists on a regular basis. And I and getting back to that original question of sort of how what is our role here, trying to be that conduit between the front lines mm. and the sort of policymakers and the academic experts is part of what we do. So I am constantly taking you know, information that I'll get from four different employees about five different businesses we've talked to in the last few weeks and say, are we seeing a pattern here? And we'll go and talk to city officials or county officials or state officials or economists and say, hey, this this looks like X. Does this look, are you seeing these other trends elsewhere in the community or across the state or across the region? Can you help us understand where this might be going? One of the things we did during COVID is we had almost monthly, we would have updates from um, a local economist, Bryce Ward, where he would right. come in and talk about, here's what we're seeing locally, right. here's what we're seeing across the country to help us understand what's us, what are broader trends, and how do we navigate these things. So we're constantly involved in that dialogue to understand what looks anecdotal. In other words, it's an issue that's really troubling one business, and we could get distracted for months and months and really put a lot of energy in and really only help one business Right. versus what is truly in the data and a broad trend across our community. So if we find a solution, it's a solution that's going to help everybody. So based on all of this, what do you see coming down the pike that you're excited about? And then what do you see out there looming that might be, you know, cause a caution and, and hesitancy on, on our economic uh, vitality? Let me first say there's a lot more I'm excited about. <laughs> good, 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 good. <laughs> really, I, I think that we have one of the things I am most excited about is that I think quietly we have seen an incredible resurgence of manufacturing in Missoula County. Yeah. And I'm very excited about that. We are seeing manufacturers expanding their businesses, huge demands on their products. We're seeing this out at Bonner. If you drive by there, you'll see it almost every day with new buildings going up housed by people building things with their hands and selling this stuff all over the country and the world. We're seeing this out at the Y. We're seeing this across Missoula County. The new Cognizant building is not manufacturing, no. but it's it's still a major. But it's major growth. But but that sector is one that is so important for us as a community. And, and we've learned even more recently in just the last few months, some really important data coming out of sort of economists and academics is that 
when we have done a good job, which we've done a really good job as a community for the last sort of five or 10 years of building those higher paying jobs, we're following a trajectory a whole country followed, which is that you see these high paying jobs grow, but you see this big widening up of the middle where there's no more ladder of opportunity for somebody who has a lower wage, lower skilled job to climb the right. ladder up into right. those higher skilled, high paid jobs. Right. And there are things like manufacturing, and it happens in other sectors, not just manufacturing, but it's a really easy one to, and tangible one, where you see a lot of those steps in the ladder of opportunity. And so to see growth in that sector right now gives us a lot of confidence. This is a community. Right. We can grow in a healthy way that will make us more resilient and give more people opportunities to grow into you, higher pay. Well, one good addition to the community that, that has enabled that is Missoula College offering a lot of the education that it offers in the trades yeah. and in other areas that are not tech specific. Yeah. You can't run a whole community on tech jobs. And that's the thing. You used to probably a lot of your students, when they would graduate, they'd have to leave Missoula. Almost all of them. Right. To go get a higher yeah, pay. 10 years job. ago. Do you know, I mean, they were all leaving to go somewhere now else. They now can it stay doesn't here. happen. If they can find a place to live. Right. <laughs> if they can find a place to live. But I live with group housing. Group housing. So, so, so wait a minute. So, yeah, keep, so, so what is the what is the looming thing? I know it's you know to I, I, I hate to beat a dead horse, but I I think that we have a long way to go to get out of the housing challenge. Yeah, and that's I think so even I think though that's we fundamental. see interest rates rising right now is is slowing purchasing, but it's only slowing purchasing among the people who are struggling the most to get into housing anyway, right. because that is the now an added burden financially for people to be acquiring. Well, first I, home. I talked to uh, a friend of mine who's a longtime employee of Hall and Hall. Yeah, which you know handles very expensive uh, farm and ranch properties. And he said there, there, there are people waiting with cash cash in their fist to, to buy anything that's available. They can't, they can't meet the demand for the top end of the market. Plenty of cash. They don't care about loans. You know, maybe they'll refinance later when interest rates come down. But it's the very group, you know, that's the lifeblood of a community that's having the, having the struggle. It's not the folks moving here. From Seattle, you know, who are Microsoft execs who want to, right. you know, work from home. It's it's everybody else that, that right. normally was here. And you can't, the, still the median wage in Missoula, family wage is under 50000 isn't it? It's like. I think it's just over 50000 But still, that's not much. You take taxes, no, that, that's no. gross and, wage. And, you know, and to come back to um, some of what we've learned through COVID, I think we have tried really hard to become more aware of where we're, where our successes are. And where they aren't. And a great example would be, you know, we have, there's some early data coming out of a study of Midtown Missoula right now, right, which is indicating that that's a place where median wage for families hasn't changed since 2010. That's shocking. Which is shocking. And the rest, and Missoula as a whole has right. gone up by, I think, seven or 8%. Right. And so what that tells you is that we are seeing gains in some places and not others. And I think as our role at Missoula Economic Partnership is to be thinking about the whole county. Sure. And so seeing those gaps and understanding where where gains aren't being made and where people are being left behind from progress, I think is is an ex the availability of data and the awareness now of starting to understand some of these dynamics are other things that give me optimism that we have the power and ability right. to understand to shape well, our economy. Well, it presents an opportunity. Ways. It's a huge opportunity. Well, you right. know, it, it was presented, Bryce presented that, Bryce Ward presented that at the Missoula Economic Partnership Annual Meeting, which was a great meeting, by the way. But it, he pointed out the visceral reaction is, let's get high-paying jobs in the community. Let's go for the top. Let's go for the top. Let's bring more of those right. hundreds out. But the truth is the community is dependent on the 
middle class jobs, and that has not grown. It's actually shrunk to some extent. Well, I want to. I want to. There's an important distinction, right? Right, which is that our community evolves. So in 2016, right, that was high paying jobs is what we needed. We had all of these overeducated, highly educated, right. underemployed people, and what we really needed were opportunities right. for them to really fully reach their potential. But what we didn't do while we were focused on that is make sure that we were also building those mid-wage jobs. And so we're always going to need to work on a problem, understand what the impacts of that solution are on the rest of the system, and then keep working on that new problem that emerges. How often do you do you speak with your peers in the other Montana cities, Bozeman, Billings, uh, and kind of keep keep tabs on one another in terms of how they're doing. Yeah. So I'd say like once a month, I'm checking in with a colleague around the state to find out what they're seeing and hearing in other communities. Um, Getting back to that question of sort of how do we know what to be working on uh, when we see those Mm. trends that are impacting other communities as well is when we know that the trend is bigger than us and that it may be harder to find just a local solution or that the trend is one that we need to be collectively thinking about how to do. And I guess the last point I would make is, What's important about that is I think we get wrapped up in the Grizz Cats mentality in Montana all too often, which is that sort of this town is competing with that town. And I think from my perspective, Montana, although we are more on the map than ever because of COVID, is still a sort of scrappy rural state. Right. And there's a, it's really important that we are all working as a team to figure out how we make the greatest conditions for our businesses and our economy because no one else in the country is looking out for us in that right. way. Right? Unless you watch Yellowstone, then you have a whole different perspective. What do they say? We're a small town with long streets. Small town with long yeah. streets. It's, what's interesting about that is I even see that, right? With businesses that we talk to who are coming here to Mont- to Missoula, they're also in Billings and Bozeman and Great Falls. And we try to serve them as like Montana is the market, right? The, the, the lion's share of the population center is focused on these three cities, you know, include Kalispell and Great Falls. Right. And so uh, businesses that look at Montana as an opportunity to take that approach um, are going to be successful. I'm curious to know how many of those folks are reaching out to you, right? Like, hey, you know, we know we need to be in Missoula or we need to have an outpost in Missoula. How do we do that, right? Yeah, so we, I would say pre-pandemic, we were getting those calls once a week. It's just died during the pandemic. And that is just starting to emerge right. again in the last few months. There was so there. Who are they? What type, what's, what categories? What sectors? Is there any? Mostly right now, I think people still see us as a place to enhance as a lifestyle location. Okay. Okay. Right. And so there are a few exceptions. There are reasons to be here because of raw materials or other things. But by and large, the companies that want to be here, like the Cognizant ATGs. Or Shields. Or, or Shields. Yeah. I mean, that's a lifestyle. Because they tap company. into our lifestyle, is that yeah. they can attract employees. Bike, bikers, right. Yeah. <laughs> a company wants to be here Cyclists. because by being here, they make it easier on their employees to stay with them. Sure. That's the, that's sure. like right now, above all else, what sells. And I think also tapping into the sort of, I think well-founded and documented work ethic of Montanans that I think a lot of people are attracted to it yeah. and see when they come here and get excited about building teams of people who come in every day excited to make the place better through their labor. Do you feel any sense or hear from anybody in sense that some of the people who reacted to COVID by moving here from Seattle or LA or whatever have have sort of buyer's remorse and are thinking about going back. Is that, is that any kind of uh, trend? 
It's not a trend I'm seeing any evidence of, okay. honestly, or hearing much of, to be honest. You're start looking at real estate listings. No, <laughs> no, I'm just saying that there's been a few articles that have said uh, a lot of you, you know, think? A, lot of, a lot of people. And it may so. not be Montana, Missoula specifically, but a lot of people who made the jump from New York to, you know, they moved to, inland. Yeah, moved inland, you know, and, and are sitting in Pittsburgh, you know, now have uh, <laughs> regret. Yeah, you know, you know, a little bit of regret about moving, and you know, and, and companies. Driven by a number of factors, not only the fact that they right. own a lot of real estate and those buildings are empty, they are are asking employees to at least come back part time into their yeah. office surroundings. You know, in many cities around the country, the, the remote is going to be a hybrid work style. I think in the future, more than uh, that's what than, I'm hearing from most employers, yeah. and I, that's the tolerance I think we're seeing from employees. That's where we've gone at MEP, even, and, and right. I think had to. Yeah, I, I will say, you know. In my experience doing this work, we do not run a against, up against a lot of businesses who make rash decisions about where they locate their business. Mm -hmm. and, and very few of the businesses who have come to us even recently came to us as a response right. to COVID. But sometimes employees, the individuals yeah. that they're trying to hire might. Yeah. Well, my time is great. I watch Yellowstone. That's when, and then they come here in the winter. Which is October and November now, and uh, they say, "Well, whoa, it got a, cold here. It got cold here very fast." I'm curious: are there like the communities outside of Missoula County, right? So when you start to work your way up towards the lake, and you're in Arlie and Ronan and Saint Ignatius, and there's more land, there's more places to build. There's folks. That, are you able to impact and work with folks in those communities to maybe extend, you know, and say? Hey, Missoula is expanding north, not just east. Yeah, so uh, we're pretty, our mission and our organization is really structured to focus on Missoula County geographically. Right. However, all of the impacts we look at are sort of commuter impacts. Right. So everybody who's willing to drive an hour, hour and 20 minutes to come to work or to go home is sort of how we think of our catchment of the impacts. And so what we have is good relationships with partners in outlying communities who do similar work to ours. So the tribes have a great economic development team. And so we'll work with their economic development director okay. to talk about a business that wants to be in that area or how we talk about collaborating around workforce issues. Well, let's not forget the fact that people drive into Missoula from all the way down from Hamilton, even. And from, oh, yeah. and from yeah. Polson. Yeah. And, and that's that's a big area. the chambers, the chamber of commerce is and the, the economic development groups yeah. of those communities. When that's I first uh, moved to Montana 25 years ago, I was living down in Stevensville and I would drive in early in the morning to come to work and, I'd see at seven o'clock, six thirty. I'd see four or five cars on the road between here, between Stevensville and Missoula. Drive, to, drive now at seven o'clock in the morning between the two. I mean, they had to expand the highway to bumper. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah, you know, so I mean, we do have a large reach. And you talked about the, you know the commuter issue. We have a new airport. What impact has that had on on your job as an economic Great development question. organization? And what 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 impact does it have on the community? I mean, I think we're only beginning to see the impacts that that is having on our community. I think it is, it was a blessing and a curse that COVID happened during construction and allowed them to move much faster on a yeah. lot of things than I think they ever dreamed. The curse is that we came out of COVID and, and we are a partner in, in, in generating airline revenue guarantees that help expand air service. Right. So we had really reached this incredible mm. phase where we had a great number of carriers, a lot of new routes. Airfare was really coming down for Missoulians <laughs> to be able to travel and COVID hit, right? And now we have this huge airline pilot shortage and we can't get more routes and more services to save our lives. But I think that's starting to change. Yeah. And we're starting to have the conversations. And I think having this absolutely incredible, like world-class 
I, I don't it's like in a class of its own. <laughs> it is such a beautiful building and it gives such a positive impression on a visitor when really they walk does. out of the gate and see that place that I think it will, um, I think for, for 50 years, that is going to be a powerful gateway to this community and a signal so that there, this is a beautiful it's a, place. It's a lot smoother operating than most of the other airports that I've seen in the United States, particularly Salt Lake City. I hate, I will do anything <laughs> to avoid Salt Lake City. We have to go through there too. Well, they, you know, they have, they owe the Missoula flights, as you know, go to the B terminal. And they, you have to go down a ramp, get on a bus to That's get to temporary. the plane for two years. Hey, no, you're right. We might have to be around in two years. Who knows? I'm just saying it's, they didn't plan as well as we did from the day our airport opened. There's been very little uh, disruption in, in how an airport should operate. We go through, it's amazing. we go through TSA fast. The luggage comes fast. The parking's good. I mean, it was a great, it's a great, yeah, we're, we're, we have really. incredible leadership at the airport yes. at the board and staff level. They're, they're visionary, they're ambitious and they're delivering a great product. And I think we're going to see air fares coming down and more carriers coming in over the next few years. And I think we'll get back to where we were pre COVID. So. They've already torn down the other one. There's you almost forget that there was a stone building, you know, brick building right next to it. And we're going to have this, uh, two of those buildings. That's right. We're going to have twins in another year and a half or so. It really is. And that's going to be, I think, I think it's valuable to the community to have that not only for the impression, but for the reach, you know, eventually the, right, you know, right. well, the build I, the that they scale, will come. Right? Yeah, right. It's yeah. not just, yeah, it, it, it will allow us to have new routes and new carriers at a scale that allow us to go far more places and, and visit, you know, businesses to be able to access the East Coast in a day instead of feeling like they have to do a four-day trip to get That's out to true. Sure. D.C. for a day. So That's our burden to bear. Yes. Exactly. Well, what about, you know, what's interesting to think about with the airport. We talked to Brian and his team and Chris before is um, f like even going back and forth to Seattle has become a lot more efficient when they retired those uh, those bombardiers and moved in the Embraer 175s, the jets. So you're going to see a lot more jet service in, and hopefully the, f the routes back to L.A. and to San Francisco, the direct flights won't just be seasonal. Well, and they, all the airlines are trying to contemporize their operations. They're changing the kind of equipment they use and they're changing the classes of service and they're all trying to figure out you know, how to survive with less business travelers traveling. They relied a lot on business right. revenue and business. You know, you got Zoom. You don't have to travel as much. And it's an easy cost area to cut down in a corporation. Grant, who are your, you know, we speak about the airport. Who are some of the other kind of, you know, key stakeholders other than, you know, public and private uh, funding and your constituents, kind of the businesses? You also have a seat at the table looking at tourism. I know that, that uh, working with Dest the Destination Missoula Group. The airport. What other groups are you are you interfacing with, or is your team interfacing with? So we work very closely with the Missoula Redevelopment Agency, the Downtown Partnership. Um, you know, the Midtown Association now is really getting traction, doing right. some exciting work, and we're looking forward to continue to see what evolves with that community's goals around Midtown to see if we can help with some of the implementation of that plan. So um, really wherever people are investing in strategies to really think about how to do economic development, we're there to play a supporting role. university. University has always been an incredible partner. And you sure. know, I, I, it, I guess it shouldn't go without saying, cause it probably never is, can be said enough that, you know, that is the most powerful economic development engine we have as a community. Sure. In terms of churning out talented workforce, um, creating high paying jobs, bringing people to our community, whether it's for academics or sports events, um, it really is just a, it, Missoula just wouldn't be 
a community I've lived, without in, healthy I've lived in university. Company yep. dominated towns before where a town and a steel mill were, you know, ran the town. If you're going to have any dominant industry, it's great to have a university be the dominant Education. industry. That's right. So let me ask you this. You, we, we, we have a lot of new hotels over the last few years. Yeah. You got the AC downtown, the residence in, the RAN. Every time I drive down Reserve Street, it looks like a new hotel's going in or motel's going in of some sort or another. Do we have enough? And the market would suggest we don't. Really? Which surprises me, but. Um, the, Is there a brand we're missing? I mean, we got every brand I can think of here. At least as of last summer, and I haven't seen the data in the last few weeks. You know, by and large, most places are full. Um, they're getting really good rates for their rooms. Yeah. Well, that's for sure. And when these hotels come up for sale, there is a bidding war to figure out who can buy them. So um, I think on the contrary, we're really on the map now across the country in a way that we haven't been before for hoteliers that this size market is, is a very viable size market. And Montana is a very hot place to put a hotel. And when you have a college and a place that people want to visit, even when they're not visiting the university, it's a pretty good recipe for filling beds. So I always felt, from an economic development perspective, one of the things that we're missing, and we've tried two or three times to get it here, is is a conference convention type center to bring that kind of business to town. Because as you know, it has a lot of residual benefit. People who come here who've never been here before on business for business reasons, they get a chance to sure. look the place over like Spokane in the flesh. Did. Yeah. You know, Billings have, you know, I mean, other cities have those in the state. We don't. Where do you think that's going to be in the next few years? Are we going to finally get over the hump and, and have something, you know, either down where the Fox Theater was or, or somewhere else in town? I mean, I think I have heard both sides of that debate for Many, many years now. And I guess what I would say is that we have had a lot of very savvy developers come into this community and assess the potential to do something like that at the Riverfront Triangle. And the day that we see somebody put their own money up to create an event venue like that will tell me that there is a demand for that product that we have not yet seen in Missoula. (laughs) And as much as we would all like to have it, it is an incredibly expensive building to build and if it is not full every day of the year right it is right. hard for it to make any sense financially well what usually happens and not to put on an economic development hat because that's not my job what usually happens is a, is a a development happens not just a building that's right where there's retail and commercial and other kinds of revenue generating um businesses that can compensate for when the, the or the benefit when that convention right, is going either, on. either way. Yeah, yeah. And in cities like Savannah, Georgia, where I've done work and have seen what's happened, they build a convention right. center. They had the same discussion, but you build it and then they come. Then you can start bidding on. I mean, I think people the who are listening, the egg. listening to us understand how it works. If you have a facility, then you can go and bid to the you know to the convention uh, you know staff that are looking at you can at go places after bigger go. groups bigger yeah, group yeah meetings. you don't have to have forty people you can go after five hundred or a thousand so that's so so let's let's talk, can we talk about two discrete areas so the riverfront triangle and then also the old library that whole block talk about both of those and where you see opportunity I mean you kind of talked about the riverfront but. Well, let me talk about the library block first because sure. it's the place where we're most involved. And so that is, I, I talked about that partnership with the city and it's actually through the MRA, but we have a contract right now to identify development teams who would be interested and qualified to develop the old library block to meet 
a set of community goals that have been expressed in the downtown plan, downtown master plan. So, that so what is, kind of things would go in there? Well, the list, I think there's like 18 items that the whole community would like to see there, ranging from childcare to a grocery store to affordable housing to an event center. <laughs> you know, it, it, none of these things are prescribed for any one particular right. location, but they're all things that people would like to well, see it would downtown. fit into that space. And it's a big space. It's a right. big, big space. So what we're trying to do right now is find development teams who have experience working in public-private partnerships with communities outside of Missoula or in Missoula that have done this elsewhere and delivered any number of these products in a way that proves to be profitable for the developer, can deliver on a time frame and get things done. So I, I am optimistic that we will find folks and that there's still a lot of appetite for developing at that scale here right now and in the future. So we sh I hope both of those things we'll see come online in the next year or two. In the next year. Okay, let's take a quick break. Our guest is Grant Keir, the Executive Director of the Missoula Economic Partnership. Back after this. Arnie, we are back with our guest, Grant Keir. Grant, this kind of economic development and coordination and leadership takes money. You don't have enough. It's clear. No, Nobody ever has enough in economic development, particularly here. I don't think your budget's big enough. What are you doing about it to, to raise money and to, to build the organization? Yeah, so all of this stuff that we have been talking about uh, are initiatives in our new strategic plan. And the way we have operated historically as an organization, every five years we assess the community, figure out how we need to organize as an entity, and we identify goals that we're going to work on with our team. And then we go out and we raise the money to do that work over five years. So we are launching our new strategic plan fundraising campaign in December. Um, we're almost halfway to our goal already before we launch this, which is through the generous support of our board members and some of our longtime investors. But we are going to be reaching out to businesses who have supported us in the past, and we're excited to bring on a lot of new investors in the future. I think we do need to build our team. It's a more important time than we've ever seen in Missoula's history. It's a real turning point. And I think we have a great plan and a great strategy to keep this an awesome place to live, a great place to do business, and a place where workers are going to want to come and take jobs and where people can afford to still live and, and be normal people living a high quality of life. So how do people get a hold of you, find the plan, learn about what's going on? The interweb. We have this amazing thing called a website. We can be found at MissoulaPartnership.com. So please stop on our website, our plan, our contact information. You can email us all from that site. Perfect. Sounds good. Always a good guest, Grant Keir. It's always energizing to hear what you're doing. You're like the Exciting. energizer, buddy. You're wound up. You got your hands on everything, <laughs> and things seem to be moving in the right direction. So we're happy you're here. I'm always delighted to be here, guys. Thank you. Okay, great. Thank you for coming. We'll see you next week, Arnie. Take care, Scott. Thank you for listening to What Do You Know? I can't wait for the next show, Scott. I'm excited too, Arnie. If you'd like to suggest a guest, send me an email at scottrichman at townsquaremedia.com. We'll see you next week. And thanks for listening to News Talk KGVO. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.